Did we, have I ever squared in here? We don't really have potty mouths. No curse. <laughs> I'm trying to think about every squared on this podcast. I don't think yeah. so. I'm not really a big swear guy. No. We do good. I'm not against it. I just I mean, I just, it do doesn't it. pop up. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> there is, you know, if I stop my telly, you can some swear terms. Words are going to come out. Yeah. Well, on that note, stub and toast. Um, <clears throat> so we got Nick BDO. Yep. Nailed it, huh? Yeah. Um, so today's kind of general theme is individualized programming or personalized programming versus uh, more generalized programming, class programming. Nick is one of Levi's uh, clients and has seen some pretty significant gains, I would say, uh, and something that we've all observed as coaches. And um, we thought it'd be a, a good meaty conversation today to just dig into like what are the differences between individualized program versus class program? Uh, what are pros and cons? Um, who might benefit from this? In what ways? Uh, so, you know, you, Levi's talked a lot on this podcast already about this stuff, but it'll be cool to get a little bit of uh, Nick's perspective too because you're actually in it right now. Um, you want to just kind of like do a brief overview of like, yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is versus a normal class. So what uh, I guess one of the biggest starting points to pivot off of with individualized programming is I can go through very uh, comprehensive assessments to figure out exactly what we need to include as far as the individual prescription goes, um, because that is massively variable from person to person. Um, when we consider things like tempo, and we consider things like reps, and we consider things like movements, which we can we can uh, figure out through those assessments what movements are going to be inherently safe for the individual as well. There might be someone that I discover should have no business doing anything close to, like, so let's say, a squat stand, for example, and that won't be included. But it also tells me um, where I should start as far as developing absolute strength, which would be strength in, in matters like a deadlift, a, a press, a pull pattern, or that would be like a pull-up, or a... Um, press pattern and when it comes to upper body that's that's like a bench press or an overhead press without the speed element involved and if they if they are not developed if we don't not checking the boxes on on certain things with absolute strength then we are very far away from being able to do anything with strength speed which would be more along the lines of like olympic olympic lifting so that would be like a push press or a push jerk, which would be strength speed, or a clean. It's not to say that we can't do it, it's just not all that valuable to train because it can only be treated as a, as a skill component at that point. We can't develop strength off of it really safely. Uh, we need to be able to make sure that we have the archetypes of what's in a uh, strength speed movement down before we can get into dynamics with the, the strength speed movement. Um, so it kind of makes sense if you think about it, just not often sometimes people do. But the good thing about with me is that I'm, an, I'm absolutely neurotic about thinking about this stuff. Like I've, obsessed my, I've, I've devoted my whole life to it. And so you don't need to think about it with individual programming. The, the thinking is done for you. So it kind of takes a lot of that away of having to forge your own path towards fitness, which the, those come with a lot of pitfalls. So I can massively decrease the amount of pitfalls that you could fall into and the efficiency, the efficacy of your training can be 10, 15, 20 times faster and safer than if you're doing it um, more just kind of winging it on your own to an extent. Yeah, I think, I think so basically you're kind of speaking to the progressions where you go through the progressions of developing like a baseline of strength and then working to the explosive dynamic movements. Yeah. So I think that's a big benefit of it is as opposed to classes where you kind of have to check every single box yeah. throughout the year for every single person. So right. the program has to be... Very inclusive. Right. Uh, but uh, as far as it being inclusive of everyone, it also at the same time can and exclude people right. that would get the most bang for their buck from doing a, yeah. a different way or a different prescription or a different tempo or a different movement. 
Yeah, so and, I think that's like a big part of it is you can go through progressions because every like in classes people are going to start at different times. Someone might start in June, yeah. someone starts in January, and you can't change the class programming based off of when they're starting. Right. So I think that's a big benefit to yeah. it. And then the other one would be, um, I lost my train of thought, but like a, um, it would be more cust customized. So that's what I was going to say. So it's more like weakness focused. So like for me, when I started CrossFit, I was very good endurance gymnastics because I was underweight and not very strong. Yeah. And I pretty much did CrossFit programming for a while and I got a little bit stronger because you, you dabble in strength and all that, but yeah. Um, I did have a specific strength program eventually and, and working those weaknesses. So they come up to, you know, equilibrium with all your other, yeah. um, aspects of fitness. Um, that was beneficial for me right. too. So it's a good way to attack your weaknesses and also progress yeah. in, in a efficient way. Yeah. And then when you get down to the particulars of that, you might have one person if we're talking about training age, training age where they're developed as far as in, let's say, lower body. Um, and so I'll need a different tempo, a different prescription, a different rep scheme for lower body versus upper body. Mm -hmm. Because with upper body, I might need to increase the time under tension to get it up to speed with the lower body. And so I'm get, getting very specific with what I'm doing with rep schemes and movements um, based off of where they're at as far as their training age from lower body to upper body. And they're going to see results far faster if you've got the very specific time of retention with the weights that we're doing. Besides the fact that we're trying to get to the movements that we do, we're trying to be able to push the envelope on um, without it being a liability for the athlete. So we have to be very careful about making sure those movements are, are, are going to be something that they can push themselves a little bit with. I think for just like the, the average listener who might be somebody who's, you know, typically in class and doing just the generalized programming, this is still applicable even for you because, you know, ideally the coach is there to help you somewhat customize what the class workout is anyway. Right, it's it's definitely not going to be to the extent as a individualized program where it's based all around you. But this is why we encourage everybody to be conscious of these like basic strength strength conditioning principles and like wanting to scale and modify accordingly to meet your level. Right, and the coach is there to help encourage that, but it's also going to be helpful just for you guys to have this knowledge. Um, so we can work together as a team to find the best options, uh, even if you're in a class setting, right? Not everybody needs to be doing the same things. Right. Yeah, I can recall some instances when you were coaching one of the classes and I was having a hard time with pull-ups or something. And we worked several iterations and you helped me figure out, oh, I'll do this for the pull-up section of the workout. And that worked fine for me at that time. Right. And I was really struggling with that portion of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, I would say the biggest um, challenge as a coach in a group class is to identify what level people are at right. when you have a bunch of people in a class. Um, and then it's your responsibility also. If I'm like, well, Nick's really struggling to get his chin over the bar, we're going to sit him down and do some pull downs instead, or, right. or we're going to put on a pair of rings. And, um, you know, that's just part of the process. And I think everybody would benefit from, uh, what would be the word, embracing that, that like you just are where you are. It's right. not good or bad. There's no value attached to that. You just, you're at a place um, that's different from somebody else's and it's going to take uh, steps to get you further along. Right. You've made some pretty significant, uh, let's say, skill, skill gains, but also just general strength gains since you started. Can you speak on a little bit of that, uh, like what you've experienced? Sure. Um, so I guess a little bit of background. I joined uh, this gym back in September of 22. Um, and I did the classes, but pretty early on, I think I took a personal training session with Levi in October. And that kind of quickly turned into once a week, one-on-one, -on -one, but I was still doing the classes. And um, you know, I'm gaining confidence, gaining strength, meeting people, and enjoying it. Um, but prior to joining this gym, I had, you know, YMCA, Planet Fitness kind of things through the years, and that never really stuck with me. Um, but I never really did squats or deadlifts, like, ever, right? Um, and now, um, since uh, the start of this year, um, Levi's approach has uh, changed a bit since, from the one-on-one -on -one once a week to specific programming for each athlete, right? 
and he's, he was really able to, you know, program in things that were appropriate for, for, for my fitness, and I've, you know, seen massive lower body gains, you know, yeah, squats and deadlifts and, and whatnot. Yeah, you just hit a 300-pound back squat. Which I guess is good, but I <laughs> for somebody who's good, yeah. for somebody who's never didn't grow up lifting weights or yeah. you know do any strength sports, it's pretty sweet to achieve that in a year of training. Yeah, so when I started CrossFit, I could back squat 185, and it took me a couple years, okay, or many many years actually, <laughs> like seven years to squat 300 pounds. Okay, so I, the I've, fact that you've done it in less than a year, that's that's pretty good. Well, I, I've done cycling <laughs> a little bit in the past, so I'm a little bit quad dominant. Yeah, you did. So I have, you did I have some some previous use of those muscles, but yeah. nothing like in the gym, we'll say. Right. Yeah. You're also very committed and disciplined, so that's a big piece of the puzzle. <laughs> the discipline right? and the compliance to a pro- any program really yeah. is the biggest is the, big, the biggest driver of success and how compliant you are with it. Right. So that you know, I've told you before, your discipline is your superpower. Um, so if yeah. you lean into that superpower, you're going to go a long ways. But I don't want you to dismiss your upper body. Um, your progress that you've had before too because yeah. you'll discover that a, a lot of people they struggle for a very long time getting their first pull up yeah mm-hmm. so right. we did six weeks later and you've already got I got one strict pull up yeah which that's been a huge struggle for me like yeah. very frustrating like I, I was I tell Levi occasionally like early on like let's just say September October time frame I couldn't get one pull up with a purple band like, it was just terrible and I just felt so defeated mm-hmm. You know, and now this is part of my, you know, I'll use the purple one and do several reps and sets with, with that. Like so, you know, it still feels like I'm right. slow, slow gaining, but, you know, I, I know I'm making improvements there. For sure. Well, and that goes to show, like, it's your youthful exposure of what you were, um, what you'd been uh, introduced to before mm-hmm. that's kind of guiding where you're at now with your upper body versus lower body. A lot of times, guys, besides our physiological advantage, that we're a lot more, um, apt to like climb trees and like play in playgrounds and jump off of things and lower yeah. ourselves down. So we've already got the advantage. We've already developed that time and attention when we're young because we're just gener- typically a lot more rambunctious and climbing all over stuff. Where yeah, I wasn't, girls are like, I wasn't too rambunctious. Yeah, that kind of explains a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you did get some exposures through cycling. and uh, yeah. uh, What other sports did you play when you were um, I used to play baseball. Baseball, um, yeah. Uh, a little basketball, intramural kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So you and you say you get sounds like you probably got some exposure with some pressing too, which your pressing is um, significantly higher than yeah yeah. I mean pulling. back you know through the years like you know whenever somebody goes to the weight room they just go on the bench press and that's yeah that's, you know that's just what they do right? yeah. But did you so you, when you were younger you never did much pulling at all? Um, not not too much, and yeah. I, it was always kind of weak for me, like a lap machine yeah. or anything. Yeah, like yeah, I always kind of struggled you yeah. know, with that one. So that I mean that adds up perfectly. Yeah, you're a little further behind on that, right? And what we're trying to achieve with individualized programming, anyway, is that kind of leads us into structural balance. So one of the things that I can do is I can get a, a very comprehensive picture of where we're at as a, in in reference to other things. So for example, uh, I don't I don't even really test strength uh, maximum contractions before we've developed a baseline of strength endurance. But if we are looking at the very first thing that we address is motor control. So we should be able to move across all patterns. And even when we're getting towards tired or we're getting very tired, we should be able to move, move well. So one of the things with like for a squat pattern, for example, is we should be able to do a 3-0-X-1 um, tempo with quite a few squats or just an air squat. And for a push pattern, we should be able to do a 3-0-X-1 push up perfectly before we start getting too crazy with adding a bunch of strength endurance into the mix. So I'm not I'm not necessarily going to be doing a wad like that with a bunch of push-ups before they establish that they can do those push-ups many, many times um, without it deteriorating. Um, so we, we do that with other ways, with full body resistance, that allows us to isolate the movement until it's up to a speed where we can do strength endurance for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that way we could... We're not going to be anything but virtuous for what, what we need to repeat over and over again. The, as far as for map work, if we're looking at aerobic work, though, what I'll do is I'll start off long, and uh, kind of a, a good plan of attack for aerobic work is start off longer. You develop the base, and after developing the base, you move shorter. So we, we, uh, when we started, me and Nick, we started off at an hour long. We're developing hour-long that pace, hour, yeah. hour-long pace, right? right. Hour-long pace. And then that's, that would be what's called a MAP-8. And then after we develop a MAP-8, 
Then we go into a map 7, which would be a 40-minute pace. So now we've done a map 7. We're actually moving to a map 6, which is actually a 20-minute pace, but specifically we're doing a 5K row time trial. Mm -hmm. So that goes all the way through the map work, aerobic power. So we, if you're starting off long, one, you're developing a capacity to um, endure a lot of aerobic work. You're, that, you're establishing that um, aerobic base and that foundation, and then we end up short. Short, intense aerobic work. Aerobic is essentially meaning sustainable work. So even if we're at a map one, which would be 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, every one of those 30 seconds should be exactly the same score. And that's the difference between sustainable aerobic work and unsustainable. I'm not saying unsustainable as if it's bad, but it is a different kind of work. It's anaerobic work. So that would be anaerobic energy system training. If we're doing our first one, if we're doing a 30-second assault bike and it's 20 uh, calories, and our last one is 5 calories, then that's, that's definitely anaerobic energy system training. Mm -hmm. So with aerobic energy system training, we're trying to develop sustainable power output. So would you say like someone... Someone, if they were doing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off on the assault bike and their speed number one or their uh, interval number one was way faster than their last one, say they did 10 intervals, would, would you say that's an approach problem or an actual like energy system problem? Or could it be both, I guess? Well, it could, be, it could definitely be both. Definitely both. Be, but it's also, an, it's, for that example, it's, it's probably mostly an approach problem. Because what we're primarily doing too with that aerobic from long to short is that we are learning pacing from from the longest end to the very shortest end. By the time you get to that short end, you're very, very familiar with your pacing. Mm -hmm. With anaerobic energy system training, which starts off at 10 seconds, that's anaerobic aleptic power work, that's actually the opposite. You start very, very short and end up on the, like if we're talking about anaerobic um, lactic endurance, then you're at like two to three minutes. Mm -hmm. So you start short and long, for, but for anaerobic energy system training, it's not really recommended for um, general population. There are some segments of the population, like for example, um, MMA fighters or well, collegiate level sprinters, that that's valuable to train, but it's not valuable to train all the time. Even at best, you should be getting that, like at most I should say, uh, at most maybe once or twice a week should be going into those anaerobic reservoirs. If you're doing more than that, then it's one, a liability, but it's also not giving you the best dose response. And that's like, you know, when we talk, we would use different verbiage, but like, uh, say RPE, right, rate of perceived exertion, or when we're just saying intensity, in term, like as, as far as the applicability of this idea to CrossFit methodology, um, this is why we don't go 10 out of 10 every day because it's, it's not, one, it's not physiologically sustainable. It's not going to make gains for you. And two, like, yeah, we want to be able to go there once in a while, but that's not how you're going to have long-term growth and success. And yeah. also, like, the injury rate's way higher if, you, if you're going to push to RPE 8, 9, yeah, 10 Yeah, that's day. when the wheels come off. You're making the wheels come off. Right. And if you're doing that all the time, then it's, it's, not, it's not if it's win. Yeah, things start to go right. And like a, a thirty minute workout, you shouldn't be it shouldn't like it's almost impossible to have it be a, a ten because that's impossible to sustain a ten right. for ten for thirty minutes. So yeah. rather than like, you know, run as fast as you can and then when you can't run as fast you just slow down and keep going just going as hard as you can until you're crawling, like that's not a good way to train. Yeah. Which, that's very typical to the early days of CrossFit. Oh, yeah. You just go all out. Yeah. Your eyes get wide, and you gun it, and then five minutes in, you realize what a terrible mistake you are. <laughs> yeah. But you keep doing that day after day. Day after day. Okay. This day is going to be different. I'm feeling like I can win the Olympics now. I think CrossFit is making a shift, and we specifically here uh, do a yeah. good job of, like, setting expectations that are realistic and healthy for most of the membership base even right. in class settings like mm -hmm. you know today should be a day where we x y and z and right. not just today's a day to hammer yourself into eternity yeah and tomorrow and the next day yeah right um so i so you started with classes and right. then you went to the individual stuff so like what have you what's what has been like the biggest difference that you've noticed i guess um like is the, it the, the, the biggest difference is, you know, it's specific programming to me, right? Um, I find myself being, so, let's just say, less sore. Um, and um, I think early on, 
I might have, like, you know, once a week, my shoulder would be sore for some reason or something like that. Things like that are, like, not happening right now, um, for the most part. Um, Like, muscle sore, like, extreme doms, like, delayed onset. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's either or, like, minor injuries or or the normal muscle soreness doesn't tend to happen as much with with my current programming. Okay. Yeah. I think that speaks to the precision part that you brought up earlier. Is when it's when it's uh, done done in mind with a person's specific like actual ability, then the like the dose that you're giving them is going to be a lot more accurate. Yeah. Well, also, also the mobility the, limitations considered. The, yeah. Their uh, I mean, their strength limitations considered. What's going to be like? Uh, for example, like Nick wasn't at a point where I would want him to be doing strength speed work. I wouldn't want one of the Olympic lift because his absolute strength number is more enough. And as far as that kind of leads us into the demographics that would most benefit, if I would feel like this, if you are one struggling with your absolute strength, let's say you don't for a long time have never had a pull-up, well, individual programming is guaranteed beyond a shadow of a doubt going to do that. It's going to help help you get there. Where if you've been struggling for a long time in the class, you might still be struggling 10 years later. If you're not going about it the right way, if you don't figure out what's hap- what's causing that, because it's not just you're putting in. I see a lot of people do this, put alone a lot of work. They do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. But it's about how you're training that's going to elicit the different result, mm. um, and that's hard to figure out in a run. Yeah, and one of the innate, I would say, uh, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a weakness. It's just part of the, it's part of the the deal. The methodology is the variance of CrossFit style programming is. If you really struggle with pull-ups, you might only touch on that once every two weeks, yeah. right? And that's just that's just part of the nature of the beast. Yeah. So getting more into uh, specific weakness training, and like this is, I do a little bit of personalized programming, not to the same extent as you, but a lot of it is specific weakness training or skilled training. In a lot of ways, CrossFit is making the assumption that you already are at a certain level with absolute strength. That you're already 100% body weight squat. You're already um, you're already 125% of your back squat deadlift. That you're already a 87% of your close grip bench press. Your close grip bench press should be pretty high. You should be able to do more than we should be able to do weighted pull-ups. And that's kind of what that program is most designed for, is the demographic that falls under. They check all the boxes with absolute strength. And then they can get that, that then they, a lot of people, if you're there, then you're going to do really well in CrossFit. But a lot of people aren't quite there yet. I think I'll push back a little on that. I think that's where scaling and the education of a coach and, and mm-hmm. efficacy of a coach uh, is there, right? Like if, if you scale properly and you're not going to have your ego impede your ability to modify accordingly and your coach is giving you the proper guidance then you can still benefit, that demographic can still benefit. But the problem is, there is a lot of lack of that willingness. That's the problem, to, though, to scale, because egos get their way. To a point where they should. And sometimes it's like, we get proud of being able to do something like a kipping pull-up, for example. And then to, it's a hard pill to digest, that you're like, I can't do kipping pull-ups because my strict pull-ups aren't high enough. I don't have anywhere close to um, whatever five strict pull-ups, but yet I like doing kipping pull-ups, but it's not there yet. Mm. So, so it, it is, and egos are massively uh, massive roadblocks in our way to actually do what the training that we're going to most benefit from. And that, that kind of when it's taken out of the equation of like you're you, you don't have to worry about where you've gotten yourself to if, if it's not getting you further, right? Then you go back to what's going to elicit the best dose response. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, when you have individualized programming and you have uh, objective assessments to tell you what's going to elicit that, then you're going to get a way more bang for your buck with telling you where, what you should train for. These are clear-cut arrows to tell you how you should train. And it can get very, very specific there. And actually, like one of the things that we do is we go through with motor control first. We go through an accumulation of time and attention first. Then through accumulation, we go through an intensification. So we lower the reps. We lower the... Uh, the, the tempo, so if we're starting to feel like a 3-0-X1, then we go to a 2-0-X1, we might make that 6 reps rather than 8 to 10 reps. And then that's developing strength over motor control, and then we'll get to an even lower. If we're talking about 5 and under reps, 
with a sh fairly short tempo, like a 2-0x1, then we're talking about developing strength, but we can't just jump our way in there because we have to earn our way to be able to push in good weight through have development of good, good, good motor control. And how many times do we get on there and we get onto the, and I've been a, a, a culprit of this myself, get onto the bar and just flop it around on pull-up bars. And you can only do that so many times before that's going to come come back to bite you. The instability, the, um, I mean, the, you, coming out of good positioning over and over and over and over again is going to come back to bite you. And it happens so often. But if, you, if you're taking that out of the equation and you're allowing yourself to get to a place where even at the threshold of exhaustion that you can move virtuously, then yeah, you're going to do good for a very long time. And it, it is if you get to that place where objectively looking, do, what's my close grip bench press? What's my pull-up? What's my strict press? What's my squat? What's my deadlift? Um, what's my bin pattern endurance? Can I do a, a 20 rep max at 60% of my body weight for a goblet squat um, for males? For females, 50% of the goblet squat for, ma for, for females. Then, yeah, then you know you're probably checking all those boxes that you're in a place where you can even at threshold move well. It doesn't matter if it's heavy, doesn't matter if it's a lot of reps, you're still going to move well. And ultimately, it's about can we move well with whatever rep or whatever weight is is on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, the approach is, like, with group classes, it's kind of like you're <clears throat> attacking every everything with a slow burn. Everything just gets a little bit better. You dabble on everything. And so it's going to take a while before you can level up every aspect of fitness right but it is it it's it's there right but with customized stuff you can if you have a glaring weakness you yeah. can attack that and then also you can build on like if if your strength is limiting you from getting intensity yeah like if you're doing a thruster and you or say the workout calls for thrusters and you're struggling just with getting into the positions of the air squat, <clears throat> time would be better served, like, perfecting your squat than, yeah. than doing lightweight yeah. thrusters where maybe you're, you know, just practicing the, the mechanics and stuff. So I think, every, ideally, if I could design a perfect program, it would be personal training. Everybody starts with personal training. Like, you dive in, you really watch every single rep, and then once people are developing the ability to control their movement then you'd progress them to like individualized programming that would uh attack their weaknesses and and give them a, a like a very balanced like structural balance once yeah. they've achieved that then they'd go to like the group classes and the down the reason why no not everybody does that i think is cost is cost prohibitive the yeah. number one yeah, thing yeah. is personal training like if you're one-on-one, -on -one, that's going right. to obviously cost a lot more, and that can be a limiting factor for people. Yeah. Um, so I would just say try to approach group classes, like try to get personal training out of it almost, you know, yeah. like really individualize that class as much as you can. Um, I mean, in like Pepperell, some classes are like two people. And right. I would, I would, if, I were a, if I were an athlete over there, I'd be jumping on every single right. one of those classes. Right. And so that, you know, that can be good. Um you know, but ideally, you know, if cost wasn't an issue, I think that would be the ideal way to go. And I think you guys would agree. Yeah. Right. And, and oh, yeah. As a member coming in, how, what would, how does that look to you? Like, does that seem? Yes, yeah, that seems about right. And it's, it's not to say, like, when you're doing class, you don't get coach attention. I mean, I've, every single class I've ever taken here, I've gotten some kind of, right. you know, guidance from whoever's running right. it. It's still awesome. It's yeah. Just, it's just, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you get much more attention. Right. Because if there's a 60-minute-long a class and there's six people, say, or say there's, say there's, I don't know, to make the math easy, say there's six people, that's 10 minutes per person mm -hmm. that where the coach could really be there, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Whereas individual, you get the full 60 minutes. So it's just pure, you know, math and time. You're going to get more coaching with an individual. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we do a really good job at making classes as individualized as possible but there is limits to that it is a group right. class yeah um, and uh like we've added recent added recently the option b uh to most of the strength days which i think is a really good step in the right direction and uh, hopefully more crossfit programs will start leaning in that direction where 
option A is kind of like, hey, that absolute strength is developed and you're in a place where you should be testing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Option B is like, you haven't even necessarily developed your baseline of strength endurance yet or your motor control might not be there. So this is going to be more of a skill session for you or we're going to put you uh, under tempos and you're going to be staying at a really light percentage most of the time yeah. until we feel like you're at a place where yeah. build, that, building into heavier percentages are going to make sense. Right. And we've dabbled in that in the past, um, but it wasn't, I mean, that basically came from a conversation with Levi, like how can we make group yeah. classes more individualized and like, or I think it was more like, I don't know, maybe it came out of like the downside of class programming. Yeah. And like, all right, well, how can we combat that a little bit, you know? So I think it's easy to like think, all right, CrossFit group classes is the answer for everybody. It's the best. It's the Kool-Aid. Um, but I think being able to see where there's faults is how you make things better, you know? So yeah. I, think, I think it's been, it's cool to have someone like Levi, obviously your in, incredible wealth of knowledge is good, but it's also nice to like have some back and forth where you can you know see where we can improve yeah, it's things. the iron sharpens iron thing you know right um like I, I think crossfit has been long been around long enough to trim some of the fat off the methodology and really start figuring out like what's going to serve the masses and that's the for me is the key component is the masses where it's brought to a larger like the community really is the part of it that keeps most people in it for the long haul, right? And like that is probably the biggest benefit to being in a class is the, the social aspect of it. But that's not to say you need to dispense with traditional strength conditioning knowledge, right? So there's like a way for them to coexist together. And I think, you know, hopefully over the course of the next few years, the, the larger CrossFit community will start um, catching on to like, hey, we need to just be a little smarter with how we go about the execution of the methodology. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'll do our best to educate our members so that they're feeling like, I'm in a class, but I also understand what my limitations are and I understand somewhat how to uh, combat them. Right. D dispense conventional shrink conditioning, not clarifying that? Um, no, to not to dispense. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I think they're simultaneously existing, though. It's like CrossFit and traditional strength conditioning knowledge, yeah. they already exist at the same time. They, they're both one and the same. So right. I was just, and you probably meant this too, they're just, ex, it's how it's executed. Right, it's the execution that's right. the issue most of the time. Yeah. And it just simply is the fact of the matter is that you can't get, you can't get individualized for six to 10, 20 people. So it's just, it's just, it's just not going to have as high of an efficacy. Yeah. Like that. So, uh, so that like union of those two things I think is like the, um, the ultimate, like, building of a athletic community. Yeah. Right? Because if we have people like Nick, who's like, you've been in classes, you see what the CrossFit thing is, and you're putting time into, like, making your own personal fitness uh, up to the standard that you want and, like, mm -hmm. a, in a safe and, and um, really evidence-based way, it's like, you know, meeting those two worlds and making them exist together, which I think is awesome. Well, one thing that I think shouldn't be overlooked with individualized programming, because a lot of times we think programming, we're just thinking like fitness, right? But it's the lifestyle guidelines that we bring in there as well that I would argue to say, probably you guys would too, is more of an impact than the fitness element of it. And so one thing that we I'm able to do with the individual is give very specific prescriptions. We look at what their like basal metabolic rate, we get their own body scores, right. we get what their goals are, we give very specific macro prescriptions, we get them held accountable to those macro prescriptions. Um, we see how they're sleeping. Um, if they're not sleeping well, then we there's a lot of boxes that we can check to make sure they start sleeping better. Um, and within at least my uh, platform, that I can I can put very specific prescriptions to how to resolve those things that we're falling short of. Don't forget a uh, breath work. Breath, you do a lot of breath work. We do a lot of breath work, and we do a lot, and I think everyone should. Into the impact that this will have on everybody, um, it what would astonish you is a lot of well, it's mostly cold exposure, but environmental hormesis in general. Um, is absolutely life-changing for, I think, everyone to start dipping their toes in the water um, with that. Uh, and to the extent of that it'll have on, I mean, all-cause mortality is pretty stunning. 
there's actually a there's actually a, a, a new podcast on the Huberman Lab. We'd like to shout out to our friend Andrew Huberman. Going <laughs> <laughs> to start paying us for <laughs> this one. But he's, he talks all about uh, environmental hormesis, um, and he's got a special guest on from from, from Norway. But uh, it, it's pretty compelling to start getting a little cold exposure and heat exposure for that matter. Right. But you usually, for most people, cold exposure is the easier one to get because we all have a shower. Um, but we incorporate all of these things in there um, to, to all together with all of those variables put together. It provides for a pretty, pretty uh, astounding impact. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is like, so with Levi, he probably talks to you about, like you were saying, sleep and all that stuff. And in a group class setting, it's hard to do that because yeah. you don't have time to, to right. talk to every person for 10 minutes about their sleep. Well, I'm talking for like an hour, <laughs> hour and a half. <laughs> but like, so, and to a point, like, if someone isn't sleeping well or eating well, it almost doesn't matter whether they're doing a three zero one exactly, yeah, or yeah. one rep max. Like that yeah. stuff is almost, that's secondary to yeah, like absolutely, your yeah. sleep and nutrition. To habits. the point, if they tell me they're not eating well, I'm like, well, we're not, I'm not even giving you programming until you're, you're, sleep, you're eating better and you're sleeping well, like they're way off. Of course, if they're just a little off, I'm not saying that. Right. Like we need to drop everything to get your sleep and your nutrition right mm -hmm. in order for the program to even be effective. In fact, if you, do, if you get three hours of sleep last night, don't come to the gym. Yeah. Right? It's not, you're, you're, you might be doing more harm than good mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing that. And so, there's a, a few people that, that I've done that for and um, they did fix their sleep. They fixed their nutrition and they were like, they were baptized. They were born again from the, on the other side of that. Realized how impactful that was. You so, talked kind of about that earlier about the whole like nutrition comment about are you really doing CrossFit if you're not meeting nutrition expectations that are, come along with the methodology? And it's right. it's kind of the same idea. Is like it's not just it's not just the physical training. Yeah, really. That's not CrossFit. CrossFit isn't just constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. Right. It's eat meat, vegetables, seeds, and nuts. Some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Like that's the first sentence of fitness in a hundred words according to CrossFit. So, I mean, it starts with nutrition. So yeah. I always say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hard part, honestly, really is, but it's the most important part. All right. I think like with Levi's program, how has that kind of stuff come into play? Like how do you guys go about sleep habits and that kind of thing? Because I think that's something that's very helpful but also very hard so right, so uh, once in a while we'll, we'll sit in this room and talk about you know how, how you're sleeping how you're eating and so forth and sleep has never really been a huge problem for me i i try and get a little bit more that's another one of your superpowers you yeah right, superpowers. I, like, I'll, I, I like to go to bed at like 9 30 you know five minutes later i'm sleeping you know um but typically it'll be anywhere between 9 30 and 10. um but the diet um we we, we been doing the macro program since january time frame yeah i've been adhering to it you know, 99% of the time, and uh, that, that's been, it's been challenging at times, but, you know, you kind of get in the groove, and you get mm -hmm. used to what you what you can eat with, with, you know, what you're going to pay a penalty for. Yeah. 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 And just mean, tracking it in itself without even doing anything, you start to realize. Oh, yeah. It. Very early on, you know, I was in, you know, dad mode, like, oh, I'm making a sandwich, I'll take a piece of cheese or whatever, and yeah, it's right. like, oh, boy, that really adds up quick. Yeah. Um, not to say that cheese is bad, but like, you know, it makes you think a little bit more. The about dosage it, right? of cheese yeah. is bad, yeah. Right. <laughs> Have you done spots? Yeah. Is that, um, like, do you guys check in through an app or is it like a monthly? Uh, so we do, you know, we do a monthly, uh, well, we had, uh, the, the app does, we do have a nutrition like a prescription on there. Yeah. So every morning it tells them. But we, I like to meet with all of my athletes or all of my clients at least once a month. Or for either 30 minutes, usually more closer to an hour, um, and we go over everything that, that's in the, the lifestyle prescription right. in addition to the programming, right. any changes to the program that we need to make, um, and we have, have a talk over how the month's gone, and then um, we'll, we'll, we'll regather from there and do it all over again each yeah. month. We'll make sure I have my fingers close to the pulse. Ideally, Nick's, Nick's a good example of this, that I see Nick most every day uh, on the days that I'm here. So I get to have daily check-ins, but I do like to have a once-a-month check-in as well, where I get to see him. And uh, you know, the other thing, the cold exposure, you know, um, it's, he kind of, you know, pelted me several times. Hey, did you try a cold shower yet? Yeah, but it was terrible. You know, it took a few iterations until like yeah. I finally got it, and now I'm like, you know, three, sold, yeah. three to four times a week, I'm in the cold shower every morning, and that's been huge. Like I can't believe how much of a benefit that's been for me. Hmm. And just this past Sunday, uh, I did a, a, 
ice baths for the first time. It was great. Nice. Yeah. You know? What, talk about your, what cold exposure, what, you, what benefits you've, you've gleaned. Right, so um, the whole reason why I'm even like in this gym is, is partially physically but mostly mentally, right, to, you know, oh, me too. Have, have sort of a, de a desk job, sit, sit at the computer all day, and, you know, do, you do that for years and years and years, and, you know, start to wonder, like, you know, I need to take care, better care of myself in a lot of ways, right? So for the cold exposure stuff, um, I think I've seen a huge mood improvement, like, throughout the whole day, like, and that's been a big challenge for me for years, like, just kind of like, oh, grumpy Nick's here, but, you know, like, it's, it's been a challenge for me, like, uh -huh. my mood in general, but, um, you know, I think just working out, eating well, sleeping well, and, but, you know, I, I did notice a significant boost in my mood with, with the cold. Yeah, for sure. 100%. That's cool. Absolutely. Like, what? Sustained right through the day. Yeah. So what do you do for a cold exposure? You just crank the shower down all the way? Yeah, like I'll just turn on the, 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 the cold shower. Like So in the winter here in, in New England, I, I bought a little inline thermometer so I, I could turn the water on. I could see what temperature it was at, and I kind of worked my way down from, you know. Um, yeah, yours is pretty god-awful cold, like 30 well, degrees. In, <laughs> so in, in the winter, you know, I started above 50, and then eventually I would, like, work it down. I got down to 42 degrees to have street water. Okay. But now, like this morning, it was it was fifty three, and that that's all I got. Right, mm -hmm. so I'll I'll just turn on the cold. I'll take three um, uh, quick breaths, right, and then I'll jump in. I'll just go in the cold water, do three of those quick breaths, and then I'll do triangle breath. So breathe in very slow, for as slow as I can. Hold it for that same amount, and then exhale for that same amount, and do ten triangle breaths, and then I'm done. And as I'm doing it, I get slower and slower. Yeah. And typically, I let the water just hit my back, but sometimes I'll spin around and let it hit various parts of my body. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's generally two and a half to three minutes. Get out, dry off, and start the day. Nice. That's cool. That I'm sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so I first tried it like at the end of a hot shower, and that was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> hot shower is worse for you. Well, the, the transition between you know from hot to, to cold immediately that, mm -hmm. that just didn't work. And e even like later when I just tried to jump in cold, it, I would just like hyperventilate and not even be able to like hang right. But yeah. it, it just takes a little bit of like perseverance, and eventually like you just kind of get used to it. Well, the, the one one thing about cold exposure, especially if it's like at a fixed temperature, right, is that like let's say a workout, you can scale the workout for the individual, right? You could like. If you're on a one-mile run, you can run slower, run right. faster. For cold exposure, you're just, if it's like an ice pond or something, uh -huh. no matter what level you're at, you're going to be in there. Right. Well, you, the only way to scale it is to get out. I did kind of <laughs> scale it, though, with, with that thermometer. Right, right. I, scale. I, I gradually decreased yeah, the temperature. But if time. it's like a fixed temperature, then you're going to stop. Right. Have you, no, like for me, I've noticed with the showers, I don't do them too often, but when I do them, it's easier to get in there put my head under it and then turn the shower down and when my head is in there it's almost easier mm. if it goes directly on my head than like on my back oh, I, my I start straight for the head I go as yeah. cold as I can get it and then go straight for the head let the head yeah. let it, get all my hair wet and everything and then I go straight for because we have a lot of brown adipose tissue right here in the clavicles and mm -hmm. the shoulders and um, and so that once that brown adipose gets activated then your body's going to start feeling a little warmer. Um, even to the extent, if we're not even talking about cold exposure in uh, a shower, if you are, let, let's say your office is, if you're stuck in a really cold office, um, one way to get used to that really quick is rather than, uh, rather than always putting on a sweater and just perpetually being cold with, with a sweater on, is if you, you suffer through two or three days of that cold with like a t-shirt on and then Shockingly, your body's going to get used to it. You're not going to be cold after two or three days. So it works because so, we get those brown adipose working. That fires up. That's the furnace for our body. It's also what, what is, in a lot of ways, what powers the immune system. And, um, then we're going to be a lot healthier with, with more of the brown adipose that we have activated. Yeah. I find the same thing. Like I do the immersion more than I do the shower, but I'll go all the way under. I'll walk in and go all the way under, like dunk my head. And I didn't do that right. Originally, I would just go up to my neck and sit. And, like, I got good at it, but there was still always, like, a period of, you know, the first 30 seconds or whatever um, that weren't super fun. But then when I started going in and dunking right away, it, that 
that time just shrunk drastically. And I think we've talked about this before, like that dive response. The mammalian dive response? Yeah, the mammalian dive response gave, yeah. <laughs> gave me a little, like, relaxation breath yeah, and got me in more, more parasymp parasympathetic. Well, and just the, the mammalian dive response is actually if you get your, if you get, I used to do it before I'd go diving each time. You get your face, you shot it right in the cold water, and then it activates parasympathetic nervous system. Whereas that, you know, when you're shocking your system with cold water, you're not activating uh, parasympathetic, you're activating sympathetic. But you are counteracting that sympathetic with slow breathing. That's what's activating the parasympathetic mm. nervous system. So the, re the rest and relax nervous system. So yeah. it's your slow breathing that's taking control to not shuttle blood down to your vital organs, but rather disperse it throughout the body. That's what you're making, having conscious control of your breath is a superpower that other no other animal on the planet has. And that's what's giving you control of your autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So for the... We went on a freaking... Yeah. <laughs> we so, do that on here a lot. Right. So I guess like for, for most people coming in, the limiting factor would be cost mm -hmm. to doing that. And then the other thing would be like what I've seen just from people here, like the, the want to get back to group classes because it's fun. Like, yeah. the, like the fun factor, like coming in, doing your own thing by yourself, like that's hard. That's a grind. And it takes discipline, and not everybody has that amount of, you know, willpower or whatever. Yeah. So I think you like, are, do you struggle with that at all, or is it just whatever? You um, early on, I like when we switched it up to this, you know, individual programming only. I struggled a little bit because mm -hmm. um, the group classes offer great, you know, social aspects and fun and right, you know, sharing in the pain and whatever, right? Um, but. I, you know, to be honest, I still see all the friendly faces, all the coaches and other members here, and chat with them once in a while. It's yeah, really not that much different. I'm just not doing the same workout as them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, and you I'm, see other people working out. Yeah, there, there's some other like, some of, some more people doing individual. Like yeah, there's been yeah. more um, people just like me off in the corner, uh, <laughs> yeah. doing doing their programming. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's it's been fine. It's been great. Yeah, and I think it might be good uh, just to touch on the the life cycle. Obviously, it's dependent on the athlete, but like I've had, um, me personally as a coach, have had members that I had in class all the time go do the personal program for X amount of time. Like Dan's a good example, and spent whatever it was four ish months away, from, three to four months away from class, if it was even that long. But then when he comes back into class, he's like a new athlete, and mm -hmm. and just m more more able uh, with everything that he's doing in a class now. And um, so even just like that timeline, I'm, I'm sure there's some somewhat of a loose timeline as far as like, hey, when do you think we'll meet these, these benchmark uh, goals? Um, and if people do want to like, hey, I still want to be a CrossFitter, I still want to be part of the community, you're still going to benefit if you come out of class for a little bit and sure up all those weak spots and get back in it, you're only going to be better for it. Yeah. Right? And it carries <clears throat> over too. It's just like, like if someone does nutrition coaching for three months, like they're still going to be able to carry all that knowledge when they are on their own. Or if they do individualized program and they learn about breathing and, and what it should feel like and the positions and all that, they can carry all that over to group classes. Because I, I talked to Dan this morning, I ran into him. Our kids were at gymnastics and he was saying how the everything he's learned it's not like it's gone like he can carry it all over to the group classes and you know maybe go back and forth and stuff like that but um but yeah i think it's hugely beneficial yeah yeah it, and particularly like, let's say for like sport specific or people that are particularly competitive it's a no-brainer that you'll want an individualized prescription Mm -hmm. Because if you are wanting to be very competitive, you're only going to get there so much more fast and so much more comprehensively if you have a program specifically designed to tailor to the individual. Um, and if, even to the extent that like, you're not going to see um, a, a high-level competitor that doesn't have individualized programming. Very high-level competitor. They all, they all do, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Well, in closing thoughts... BDO. <laughs> I can't believe you waited till this this podcast to tell me I've been saying your name. Video. Yeah, what do you say? Video. Video for BDO for months. It's okay. 
Yeah. I don't know if a last name comes up all that often, does it? Yeah, yeah. it's usually just Nick. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> you can call me something, whatever you want, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, another good one. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a long one, though, huh? It's was long, yeah. yeah. Um, if people want to, if they're interested in this. Good question. So, um, <laughs> if, if, uh, if people are, if folks are interested, hours late. <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, you can find me. I'm always here in the gym. You don't have to just find me. You can, you can have me reach out. Um, and what I like to do is, or what I will do is I start everyone off with a, a free consult. So there's, there's no risk in that. It's just us sitting down. I learn a lot about, I learn a lot about whoever's at the consult. They learn a lot about what I'm doing. Um, they, they can, uh, we, we get a lot of information gleaned from that. And then from there, that'll help guide me in initially forming the program. Goes along, we're meeting for like an hour, hour and a half, usually. Um, and I get, I get their lifestyle, I get their, uh, training background, I get any injury profiles they've, they've accumulated over the years. We go over a lot of different things in their initial consult. And then I also talk about the methodology of what we're, what I'm doing specifically and uh, best way to go about it and kind of give some more detailed information on what's going to guide the programming. Um, and then we go from there. After that, we do a three-day or two-day assessment. We, we do um, an in-body, and we go over through some mobility and stability assessments. Um, and uh, then we do a work capacity test, which just involves 10 minutes on an assault bike. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah, 10 minutes on us up like, so that gives us a good mix. Uh, 10 minutes is a good, pretty much Goldilocks realm of power and endurance um, without skill being a component there. Um, and that tells us a, a lot about where we need to um, we'll initially start the program off. But if anyone's interested, they can come find me and we can get that process started. Cool. All right. All right.